Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and I am joined by my good friend, Aram, in Toronto. What up, Aram? Not much. I don't know. You know, I think about when I get asked, what up? And is it a rhetorical question, or do would you like to know? Because <laughs> I don't know how to answer it sometimes. So, hello. <laughs> um, in this case... It is, uh, you know, uh, however you want to answer it has always been fine with me. Um, I am always wondering how you're doing, so you can always chime in. But if you don't want to talk about it or if you just want to get into it, then moving on is fine. Oh, okay. Anyway. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty happy with this, how the season's going so far. Not too many complaints, but I do want to. You know, I think there's some trends that are emerging that I think we can talk about. Maybe you want to kind of look at them as like some scary trends and yeah. maybe some very like comforting trends. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're two weeks into the season. Uh, we're recording this on Halloween. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite candy is, but Kit Kat. Uh, what kind of Kit Kat? The, the standard one? Because there's standard, like a standard and then green tea. Yeah, green tea. And they have so many flavors. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. What's yours? Oh, you know what? I just like a pretty standard Snickers or O Henry, like something uh, with peanuts, whole peanuts. Oh, you know what? I like. Do they still make whatchamacallits? I used to love those. I don't know if they still make those. I haven't seen those, but they have different candy up here too than in the states. Anyway, so I, you know, because we're doing it on on Halloween, and you know, there's all the decorations around, and you know, just thinking about scary trends, and then also kind of like. Uh, I don't know what the opposite of scary could be, but something that is kind of like a a comforting trend. uh, Soothing. Yeah, a soothing trend that you notice in the team so far. Do you want to start with the the scary first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give me the bad news. Okay. After the first game, this wasn't scaring me at all. I was feeling really good about this. But ever since the first Lakers game, uh, the secondary scoring, it's not reliable. So whether it's Wiggins or Poole, that has me kind of worried because it hasn't been consistent and it just means that Steph has to carry more of a load and and then it'll just turn into what we saw in the Memphis game, right? Uh, I mean, that game had other issues in it, but, um, you know, Poole was great and has been great in a couple of games, but not otherwise. Wiggins has had a kind of slow start to the season and his aggression is starting to pick up a little bit. So maybe he can be that kind of secondary scorer, but... You know, we had so much hope for Poole to fill that role. Uh, and he was absolutely lighting it up in the preseason. The Lakers game, he was great. Uh, but since then, I'm a little bit worried about that. Poole, he's obviously been really iffy this uh, first part of the season. I think once he saw that, <laughs> basically once teams started focusing on him as like, okay, we got to guard him. We got to be physical with him. It's mm. throwing him off and like any young dude trying to prove himself. I feel like it's like when someone smacks you, you try to smack him harder or something, right? <laughs> and so totally. he's not like letting it come to him and he's forcing the issue. And some of those drives against the Grizzlies were like, oh, that's like old school Jordan Poole where you're like, oh, that has no chance of getting in. You know, like, it feels like the defense is waiting for him to like, make a particular move and then I'll just swat it, you know? Yeah. But hopefully he's not feeling too much pressure to take it on himself 
I think Kerr and the organization are saying all the right things that they still believe in him. And I do too. I just worry his shot when it's off, it's off, you know, it's really when it's off. off. It's, it's like off to the left. I think hopefully he'll learn. He has everybody on this team in terms of veterans and coaches to help him chill out a little bit, but I just want that shot to be a little bit more on track. Maybe he just needs to learn to get his balance more. You know, yeah. he's not Steph. He's not Clay, who can throw it in like falling off on one leg or something. But I believe in the kid. I just think it'll take a little bit of time and, you know, it might cost them a few more losses than we thought. But hey, this is kind of the Jordan Poole that I feel like we expected going into the season before the preseason. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Somebody mm-hmm. who would have uh, the ability to to contribute. But in the preseason, everybody put that moniker on him of, oh, future star. So you know, it's just kind of back to the drawing board and hopefully he, he can figure things out sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they've talked about it, both Kerr and the, and the veterans about like, you know, teams are game planning for him. Um, they're being very physical with him also about, you know, trying to get into those shots to give himself that footwork and that positioning to give himself a better chance of succeeding. And, you know, doing it within this motion offense too. You know, part of me has felt like, oh, you know, maybe they should start Lee and and just keep Pool in that in that uh, backup role. But you know, let let's see how this plays out. And um, definitely need to give it more time than six games. And he has had, I would say, two very good games, and then you know, a few bad ones, and then the one against Oklahoma City on Saturday night, he played a lot more under control. And, you know, he didn't put up big numbers. He didn't shoot well, but he was under control. You could you could see he was making an effort to do so. So um, coming off such a bad out-of-control game against the Grizzlies. So I think he's learning. He's 22, and it's more about, like, getting him in the right place towards the back end of the season rather than right now. And, you know, this is the time to workshop things, right? So I think you said they're 5-1. and one. To make a change at the in the starting lineup would be odd and would mess with his mojo. Like you want to give him a chance if they lose five in a row. I mean, like when they made the shift from Wiseman to Looney last season to put uh, Wiseman on the bench, it took a while to, for him to earn that spot on the bench. I still think they should have booted Ubre, but Hey, um, <laughs> well, I have a kind of a, a follow-up scary thing in that, like largely related to Wiseman. And they are five and one. They've had a pretty soft schedule so far and they will continue in this next little stretch. But um, that's the other thing that kind of scares me is the reliance, like for this team to be really good or uh, a deep playoff threat. It scares me that Wiseman is needed and it scares me that Clay is needed as much as, as they are. I mean, that those were always going to be the high, high variance players and you know the most likely to contribute or the most likely to fail us and that's what scares me i don't know i I don't know how how do you feel about about that to be honest like that goes hand in hand with what scares me (laughs) like my okay yeah yeah (laughs) which is that the warriors even though they're deeper and they have a more veteran accomplished lineup they still don't have a certain degree of athleticism and Mm -hmm. their second unit is a little old, right? So you have, for the most part, Poole and then Iguodala, Damian Lee, Bielitsa, and Otto Porter Jr. So 
the three free agent dudes, Iguodala, Belitz, and Otto Porter Jr., those guys are are older, and and obviously uh, Otto Porter Jr. is only twenty eight right now, but he's stiff. And those guys, Plays they can a lot all, older. <laughs> exactly, they can all shoot except for Iguodala, but none of them can get to the basket except for maybe Jordan Poole. You know, yeah. I mean, we obviously know how that's been going. So it worried me them playing against these younger teams, right? Because like OKC, they're not good. But you could see the athleticism kept them in the game, uh, the first game earlier in the week, and then with the Grizzlies, they just kept beating the Warriors to to spots, beating them to to balls, especially at the end. And I do have a concern about that. It's like they have more of this "quote unquote" strength in numbers type stuff. So if someone isn't doing what they're supposed to or isn't having a good night, you can always try somebody else. But what they don't have is that other just dependable guy. Right. And yeah, like, that's yeah. what you're kind of missing. There's, there's more people. It's like last year, but like more people to try <laughs> to yeah. find somebody. And it, it does worry me. It, I'll be a little concerned. I mean, obviously there's Wiseman and, and Clay coming back. So we don't know exactly what this team will look like by the playoffs, but I would be concerned running into a young playoff team that was athletic and yeah, you know, fearless. That mm-hmm. would concern me a little bit. When they play like a team like the Lakers or the Jazz, I, I think they'll be okay, right? Those yeah. teams are a little bit more plodding and and older and play uh, a pace that kind of style that the Warriors can can hang with. But if you have John Morant running around, uh, then you know it, it could cause them some some headaches as it has like the last two times they've played them. The thing is like the both of these things that the lack of a dependable secondary scorer like clay could fill that role. And then Looney's been hard to watch. Uh, I love Looney obviously, (laughs) but man, uh, just it's like really awkward and everything is so on on ground bound, Uh, not just him, but when, when you have that starting unit, it's like, there's no, like you, you can just imagine uh, Wiseman's vertical spacing just being just another wrinkle to this team, and so that's that's the that's the upside. But will he be able to be good enough at everything else to to be put in and be trusted in those situations? I don't I don't know. But but even still, like even in that, you know, it's been mentioned so many times over the, since he's joined us. It's like is the JaVale McGee quote unquote role mm-hmm. of the you know the ten to fifteen minute big man vertical spacer like that will be huge because it's like they they really don't have that um and it can add so much especially with the new players they have right give some space and then they haven't really been going after the dunker spot you know they haven't been doing those types of plays because it's like oh alley-oop to (laughs) it's not even alley-oop it's like throw it to looney and then (laughs) pump fake i mean he did that against okc i think did you see the one in against OKC where uh, he was kind of in the dunker spot or, you know, like a step away from it? He got the pass and then he just took like this little 10 foot like jumper from the side. And it was just like, did he make oh. it? Yeah, he made that it. One, okay, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh, if it was somebody like athletic, they would have just take, taken it in and like ripped it. But yeah, he just, yeah. He just can't get there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, right? Like, it's like, oh, he's got old man strength, but he's only 25. That is yeah. so That's crazy. Bizarre. I feel like he's been 25 for like five years. Yeah. 
And it's it's interesting though too because he didn't have any injuries. He felt great going into camp, and maybe he still does, you know. But this is just who he is, right? We're now seeing. Oh, even without crazy injuries, he still can't jump. Very <laughs> <high>. <laughs> um, so this is this is the best shape he's ever been in. But yeah, um, is, are there any other things that scare you about this start so far? I think that's the scariest thing in general. I mean, obviously concerned about pool but like just seeing how this team you know they don't have that guy who can get to the basket they don't have anybody who can get mm-hmm. folks into foul trouble and i was hoping and i think it still could be pool to some extent but then even when clay gets back i mean we know his game even though he was successfully getting to the bucket more back in 2019 we'll see if he'll start doing that anytime soon yeah. but those those are like the the flaws that i'm i'm starting to see a little bit and i'm curious to see how they'll correct them you know what i mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and that's that's the fun part of it right like like you're saying you don't bench pool now because they're five and one and it's early you don't blow everything up it's it's i was on on twitter uh after the loss to the grizzlies and man people were going nutso dude yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't really engage on Twitter that much, but it was funny because people are were uh, going off on Kerr for like I'm not even going to get too deep into this, but just the whole no, it's not worth it. Sitting uh, 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 Steph and all this other jazz, but like people, you know, it's a process, and the season is long, and by the time you get to the end. Like that's what we're hoping for, right? Like yep. the the long view. You want to peak then, not in the first ten games of the season. Yep. So the same thing of like people last year, like they they wanted to play Steph forty minutes every night, and which is where the 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 chasing wins comment came from, right? And right. it's like it's the this the thing. It still remains true, and and if you want Steph to play for a long time like this is how it's gonna be for a 33 34 year old yeah going forward it's it's just got to be fewer minutes but you know you know the thing about the free throws though um they don't have that but i mean i mean that person who's drawing free throws uh drawing fouls is steph you Mm -hmm. know and um i i I know you you had some thoughts about like uh uh, the kind of uh, new officiating around the league oh yeah i i love it because as you know i'm not a fan of trey young I'm not a fan of how he would bait people into fouls, get cheap fouls. I would look at his box score and he would have like 14 free throws, 11 free throws. And I'm like, how is this guy getting all these free throws and Steph doesn't, right? And, you know, there's that big deal made about how like the league used a a video or clip of Steph to train officials on what not to call. And and people are saying it's going to hurt Steph these new rules, but it's not because we all know that he didn't have that in his game before. It's just that yeah. when everyone else like James Harden, Chris Paul, yeah. Trey Young, whomever else started doing it, everybody else started doing it. And so he started doing it too. You know what yeah. I mean? And he was really honest about that. Like he, he, he was on um, the uh, hoops adjacent with David Aldridge and Marcus Thompson and talking about like, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not a big part of my game, but it's, it was something that, if you can use it to your advantage, then you have to do it. Right. It's, you know, it's akin to something in baseball when you steal strikes or, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Well, there's a million things in, in that people do in in baseball. So, but, um, but no, it's been, it, I agree. It's been, it's been great to watch the clips of Harden just flailing and not, and not getting calls. It's amazing. Oh yeah. I mean that beyond 
the Nets not having Kyrie, that's the thing that makes me question like, oh, uh, maybe the Nets aren't going to be that good because mm-hmm. I've always felt, and I'm not the only one, I'm sure, but I've I've come to accept James Harden as like, okay, he did all these things. He won an MVP, whatever. So he is a great player. But then you accept it because you just give up. <laughs> and I've always thought like, I mean, we all know that if it weren't for the, the locking people's arms on drives, like flailing, baiting people for fouls, that he wouldn't be considered as great as people consider him. He'd be good. He's a great shooter. But a lot of that stuff has been a function of his kind of ugly game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, sometimes people put too much stock in like how somebody performed in the playoffs, right? Like, but but how he performed in the playoffs and how he got uh, calls or not calls, like it's all, you know, a lot more of a, a truthful, genuine representation of him and his game mm-hmm. rather than what you would see during the regular season that he would shy away from moments. He wouldn't get the same calls, you know, like he had his moments too in the playoffs, but he yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't be, he wasn't the same guy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I kind of love it because, you know, people say, Oh, he carries so much of the team's weight. Uh, you get, you just get tired and that's why he doesn't play defense. But like, no, like they, he, he just didn't have the game that would take them far into the postseason. You know, he's never going to get there. And that's, again, like if he doesn't get these calls, like who is he as a player, especially on this Brooklyn team? He doesn't seem to have his identity yet. As far as I can tell, I don't watch Brooklyn all the time, but, you know, it's KD's team. Mm-hmm. But it's great because, you know, looking at it, it's like Trey Young, his rookie year, he averaged – 5.1 free throw attempts. His second year, 9.3. Last year, 8.7. And this year, 4.3. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I love yeah. that because yeah. he just doesn't deserve it. Like he's, he's not a better player than Steph. So why is yeah. he getting to the line so much? It's because he's manipulating the rules. And that's just boring, man. Like no one wants to see that. You chase somebody no. around a screen and then the guy stops. It's like, oh, okay. This yeah. is this is not this is not what we came came to watch. You know, we brought it up because you you, you uh, sent me in the chat about um, that Steph. I mean, prior to the OKC game, his his free throw attempts for this season per game were as high as they've ever been, right? Yeah. Even with these new rules, so yeah. So I'm I'm loving seeing that. Yeah. Right now he's at six point three, and his high was last year five point nine. Yeah. And his unanimous MVP season, it was 5.1. So, <laughs> you know, and I'll just say James Harden, uh, free throw attempts this year, 5.7. And uh, <laughs> in 2019, 2020, 11.8. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know it was that big. Like, like, wow. Like, wow. okay, and you averaged 34 points. Oh, that, that that's good. You know, he made 10 per game. So good on Good on him, but, you know, the basketball gods are shining back on him, yeah. The NBA is back, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster of Washington, 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 and, oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, so we, didn't, we didn't talk about something that is comforting you in this, in this start. Do you, do you have anything? What was your comforting thing? Did we did we get it? Or oh, no, did we, we didn't. To? We because of course, uh, you know, being old school Warriors fans, we talked about the things <laughs> that gave us anxiety. Um, you know, I mine mine is uh, the depth, and I'm 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 finding that super interesting to see the matchups. Um, I love when <laughs> they'll at the end of a quarter they'll say, "Okay, GP two, just go out there <laughs> and guard for eight seconds." You know, uh, I love that. And, and I think the most comforting thing is actually seeing Andre, seeing the effect that he has, and seeing that that he's not washed. Um, <laughs> that's been really fun to see again, and yeah. and he looks alive. And you know, I saw him a little bit in 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 Miami, and he didn't he didn't look that good. Um, so something happened, and maybe it's just a you know maybe it's a a thing he never moved his family away from the bay and you know it's it's almost like kind of being back home or something like that can reinvigorate somebody right so i i hope that keeps up through the season and into the playoffs cuz it's it's awesome to see and he's just kind of emblematic of the depth and also like this kind of like veteran unit that we have um which is which is comforting and and you know because you, you know what they can do and we're actually you know learning a little bit more of some of these these players like Bielitsa's passing or just seeing how good of a shooter Otto Porter Jr. is. With Iguodala, I saw him a couple times in Miami. And it's just, man, like he knows the system. It's a different system. And he, he goes to Miami and he's not there to play the same role that he plays for the Warriors, right? He's mm-hmm. there. He's like basically there. And instead of being like this adult in the room who knows the system, knows how to get Steph the ball, makes the right decisions all the time. He's a guy who has to stand in the corner as like a 36, 37-year-old veteran yeah. and give maybe a little bit of stabilizing influence. But he's he's not like the leader. As far as I remember, I could have been wrong, but he didn't seem like he was ever like the leader of their second unit or somebody who was in charge of doing this, that, or the other. He was just there maybe to play some defense on somebody. And he just had a smaller role. And at this point in his career, with his diminished athleticism and diminished quicks, going to a team like the Lakers would have been like the same thing for him. So mm-hmm. coming back to the Warriors when he did, I was like, he'll get more fulfillment and more out of it as a player than just being like, okay, we need you to guard this guy uh, for like two minutes and and that's it and stay in the corner. We won't pass you the ball because you can't shoot <laughs> and, and whatever. But, you know, all that stuff about the depth, that's, that's obviously comforting to me too. And I've said this before. I said this during the off season, preseason to you, having real NBA players, right? Yeah. That's what's comforting to me. And that real NBA players can figure stuff out. They are in the league. They've been in the league. They know how to play this game. This is a team that Kerr can do things with, as opposed to like developing guys, which 
if he had to, he probably could have if um, if that was the only thing and if he was mm-hmm. prepared for it. But just being able to, I mean, the same way, like I said earlier, that it's kind of scary that when they bring people in, there's a ton of people, but they don't have like that one dependable guy who can just come in and, and uh, uh, help Steph out. But the fact that they do have bodies they could throw in, right? Like that they do have Juan Toscano Anderson, who I always forget until he actually is in the game. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, he was like uh, their seventh best player by the end of the season last year. And that Damian Lee is actually playing really well for as much as I've, t- I've said I've forgotten about him. He's been dependable. His shot has saved them a yeah. lot. Yeah, And I like that. I like the vibe they have on the team. And it's fascinating seeing like the young guys, right? Because we have the core guys like Clay, Steph, Draymond, who were all more or less underrated, right, for what they became. And then you have like these young guys who have been blue chip players their whole young short lives, and they get to watch this. Like that's that's comforting to me. Seeing Andre Godala talking to these guys on the sideline is always good to me. Seeing Steph uh, talking to James Wiseman uh, during the OKC game for some reason during a break <laughs> in time or a break in play, I was like, that's cool. What's he What's he telling him? I love that. It kind of feels like you're watching the varsity team and then the JV team is watching from the bench. That's what it feels like to me. That's encouraging and that's comforting that they have all these different dudes. And uh, talked about this like before too, but actually seeing it, seeing that they have this roster made up of real NBA dudes is, is, is awesome. Like top to bottom, even Gary Payton, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing, or, and we won't see a lot of Moody or Kaminga It's like, cause well, we'll see Wiseman when he comes back, but is that they have options and, and, and they have more quality guys to try to match up with. And, and it's just not going to come uh, for those young guys unless they really show it. And, and I think, you know, Moody has shown a little bit and that, you know, he can fill in when Lee was out with the shoulder uh, injury, right? And um, and and he can be okay against OKC. Well, we'll see he, how he would be against, you know, a little bit better competition. But I was wondering, that said, and, you know, I, I'm so hopeful about the potential of these young guys. I, I watch other teams, though, um, or I'm seeing box scores of other teams. And, man, uh, I'm, I'm feeling some serious uh, rookie FOMO. Um, that we're not seeing our young guys play and you just look across the league like Evan Mobley uh, or uh, Scotty Barnes or of course you know you know the Anthony Edwards Lil Mello class from last year and it's just like there's so much uh, pent up like we just want to see these guys play and we want to see these guys do well and contribute to the team but then you know but then you're gonna have like the growing pains and I don't know. I, have you been feeling rookie FOMO? I have. I have. And I, it's crazy. Let me just first say that this rookie class is clearly as good as advertised because you're seeing Scotty Barnes, you're seeing Jalen Green, you're seeing Josh Giddy, Evan Mobley, Davion Mitchell, even Zaire Williams gets minutes, you know? And uh, you're seeing all these dudes who are legit playing well. And then Cade Cunningham and Kaminga hadn't even played until this past Saturday, which is insane, right? Those are two of the top seven 
uh, two of the top five, like all last season in terms of prospects, but a little FOMO, you know, like I was bummed when Kaminga hurt himself and uh, I'm glad they took their time with him. And I think Moody out there, he is, everything is advertised like smart. He was in Musselman's like NBA style schemes Mm -hmm. and he can't do like a lot of great things, but he knows how to play basketball and he's dependable. Right. And, and I, I love that, you know, we don't need a ton from him, but he, we need this and he does exactly that for now. And mm-hmm. it's a great like change of pace from Kaminga and also Wiseman to some extent. Right. But rookie FOMO for sure, because I see Mobley and I'm like, Wiseman, get out there. Me too, because I, I don't know why, why is it Evan Mobley? Why, why is that bugging me so much? You know, we didn't have a chance at him. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have drafted him if we did, but it's like, there is that. And, and then, you know, it's like the, you know, the top big men from the past two classes, I guess, but like something about Evan Mobley, Mobley is just driving me crazy. Yeah. But I, I've read a couple like headlines or podcast title talking about Mobley and, and not saying it's the same kind of hype, but just remember all the uh, talk about Wiseman after a few like crazy full court, drives and all this jazz yeah. Mobley's different totally different he'll be uh, an excellent player but I mean for me it's because like he is that other center right? and he is like the big man center that everybody says is like Chris Bosh whereas like James Wiseman was the one saying that last season he was the person saying he's like Chris Bosh but nobody else said it you know what I mean <laughs> and yeah. so you're like oh you want your center to be better and even Kaminga right because like Scotty Barnes, we all know that we were hoping initially that he would be there at seven, but he went at four because to me, it's like, okay, our comparison to him is Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga, right? They played in the summer league and I was like, yeah, Kaminga is way better. But now you're seeing Barnes and his his feel for the game and his just overall ability is is impressive from what little I've watched of him. And then just seeing him in the box score, like his the idea that he can't shoot. I don't know. I mean... He doesn't shoot a ton of threes, but he's hit a couple, you know, Yeah, and he's yeah. shot good percentages. He can get to the basket. People saying he's going to be like Draymond Green in terms of like his shooting. Nah, man. <laughs> nah. It's going to be better. Like he's, uh, he, he, he may not be better good. than Draymond Green and, you know, I mean, Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer, but, right. but uh, I mean, he's definitely going to be a better shooter. I mean, you know, the thing is like it, it this is all driven you know, we've done this to ourselves, right? Because we were, we were, you know, um, we had fever dreams of, of these rookies potentials and we've been following them for the last two years, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Wiseman's class or this past class. And it just is playing out in, you know, Warriors Twitter and NBA Twitter in that, like, these rookies will have a good game and they're Hall of Famers all of a sudden, you know, but then you, even if you look at the, Plus minus, it's like, I think there was a game where Scotty Barnes may have had close to a double-double. And it's just like, oh, but he was still minus 18. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And and then a lot of these dudes are playing for, you know, not very good teams. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, that's why they're getting 30 minutes a night. So I'm saying all this because I'm telling myself to just chill out a little bit, you know. And um, it's just going to take some time. I mean... I think it speaks to a little bit of anxiety from Warriors fans in that, you know, the front office, you know, there's definitely the the kind of like totally reactionary element. But I think even the reasonable Warrior fan is still a little bit eh, about a little nervous about the Warriors front office decisions. And like, mm-hmm. did they make the right choice with Wiseman? Did they make the right choice with Kaminga? Were some of these picks that are behind them 
were those the better ones? And we won't know for a long time. We won't know for several years. Right, right. I still ride with those dudes. I mean, uh, we've talked before and <laughs> on an episode that didn't go out, you convinced me to to trade Wiggins and Wiseman for Simmons and definitely Carl Anthony Towns, but he ain't going nowhere. And I don't want to get too deep into it, but like, man, remembering how we were talking around draft time, it's like we didn't want Davion, but then once we got Kaminga, I was like, oh yeah, let's let's get if we can get Davion Mitchell. That yeah, be, we just didn't want him at nice. seven. Yeah, and Trey Murphy had a good early part of the season, but the Pelicans are terrible, and he doesn't even get that many minutes. But you know, yeah, him versus Moody eh, still kind of. And Duarte, Duarte's playing well too, man. Yeah, so he's getting a lot of minutes. There's but, a lot of a lot of dudes out there, but it's so much about the fit, you know. Because I, I know, I know, Lamelo is the one that everybody will bring up, but he has the keys, right, in Charlotte, and he would not have the keys in. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Oakland uh, with us, <laughs> um, and uh, and then you would you would hear about it. I mean, so much about this, it's like. You know, people say like, oh, don't draft for, for need. Don't draft for fit. Just figure it out. But those things matter, right? Fit does matter. Positions do matter. Like if you have, if uh, Draymond is going to be, the way Draymond is useful on offense is to be directing the offense. Mm-hmm. And so LaMelo would not be the same guy if he's standing in the corner or running off screens. He's just just not. I mean, he'd still be useful and he'd still be great, I'm sure, but... Um, but he wouldn't be the same dude. And same thing for Davion Mitchell. Like in terms of fit, he looks great and like incredible on ball defense. But how much could you play him together with Steph? Like, you know, he's, you know, six feet tall or whatever he is, barely. Right. Yeah. And I just don't know that you are going to be able to put him all game on a bigger guard, you know? Yeah, totally true about LaMelo, man. It's like, there probably would have been some different controversy last year, right? If like, you know, he probably had some spectacular plays and then uh, some bad passes, some turnovers, all this stuff. And Kerr probably would have benched him for a while. And then there would have been like this fan outrage <laughs> over like benching LaMelo Ball. But, but yeah, another thing about these guys, man, it's like this is their first pass through the league, right? Like, Davion Mitchell is not the greatest player ever to live. <laughs> People will figure out how to play him. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, this guy really tries hard and he's strong on defense and he's smart. So they'll approach him in a different way next time. I mean, here's the thing. People say, oh, the Warriors drafted for fit with James Wiseman. I mean, kind of, but also like, I feel like they thought James Wiseman was the better player, mm-hmm. you know? And when, you have like two guys who are, let's say you thought they were similar, you're going to go with fit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And especially with somebody who like, you know, you're like, uh, you don't know if his shot's going to translate. The Hornets are the perfect team for him. Those guys yeah. follow his lead. They're young. Yeah. I'm glad the Warriors didn't have the first pick and I'm glad they didn't pass on both Ball and Edwards <laughs> because there's enough pressure with just being in the same class as those guys, as well as like, you know, guys like Halliburton or, or whatever. But if they had passed on both those guys, then there'd be even more more yeah. increased pressure. And in, in terms of Mitchell, though, too, man, it's like I said this uh, maybe after the Kings game. The way things turned out with getting Gary Payton II to kind of fulfill that role to some extent, 
I'll take Kaminga and Gary Payton the second over Davion Mitchell mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Yeah, and Payton's like uh, five for five on threes, so he can't miss or something. Yeah. something absurd like that. So these young dudes have a long way to go. We just have to be patient. And, you know, it seemed like we were all ready to, you know, crown Jordan Poole too, and it's just going to take him some time too. So th- this is a long, we got a long way to go, and it's a lot more than, two weeks of an NBA season with these rookies. They're, they're exciting, obviously, and it's great for the league. And it's always fun to be excited about young players, but um, we can just be, you know, relax a little bit. So that said, you know, one of the, one of the great things about uh, the blowout win against OKC, um, which was not a great game uh, by any means, but, uh, but it meant, yeah, yeah. But it meant uh, we got a chance to see Jonathan Kuminga. So, what were what were some of your thoughts? Oh man, uh, as like a longtime basketball nerd, Warriors fan, it gave me like like it felt it's really corny, but like <laughs> oh man, I was just like really happy. You know, it gave me the feels. You know, and like obviously a lot of the other fans there too, because they some got on their feet and rose up and. Yeah, he, he looked uh probably had jitters, man. He, he Oh yeah. He he passed the ball pretty well, but his shots like he aired out a couple shots, couple threes and <laughs> you know, uh but he hit the three and I, I I love that. His shot doesn't look broken. That's what I've I've said for a while and it's like as a quote-unquote not a good shooter, he doesn't shoot like, you know, rookie year Lonzo Ball. He doesn't have this terrible shot. So I'm encouraged by that. The one thing about him that I noticed in the G League, but mostly in the summer league and preseason, was like he kind of has a high dribble, especially mm-hmm. when he's like in the post. So he got picked once down there on the baseline, I think. So that's one thing I'm kind of going to keep my eye on, right? Like that's something he might have to tighten up. But man, it's it's good to see him against like anybody. And those OKC guys, they're already playing like their bench dudes. But those are dudes who are more or less his age or maybe younger, right? I think Giddy's younger than him, uh, though I think Giddy was out of the game at that point. But it was awesome, man. Like he and Wiseman are those athletic dudes, you know? Yeah. We don't need them to come in and do a ton of things. But like there's a handful of teams, like I said earlier, that, oh, okay, maybe by the playoffs, hopefully, definitely Wiseman. But like maybe by the playoffs, you could throw Kaminga in there to, you know, body some guy uh, Mm -hmm. who's a little bit quicker and is giving Draymond a hard time. It's like, you know, it's like when when the Warriors couldn't handle Pascal Siakam in the 2019 (laughs) finals. And I was like, oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Kaminga would be ready for that just yet. But, uh, you know, like uh, that's that's my that's my uh, vision for him to to some degree this year. Yeah, I I liked seeing him. I I was really excited to see him. Clearly the fans were way too hyped uh to see him. And you know, like I saw a tweet after the game that was just like kind of like, oh, he was out of control. I actually thought considering the fan reaction and how anytime he touched the ball they're like ah! I thought he played really under control. I mean, yeah. aside from the 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 shots that he made, but you know, he made some good passes. He made the right you know, he, he swung the ball in the right direction, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And, you know, considering, you know, a five minute run where he hadn't played in, you know, three weeks or whatever for real. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, there's, it doesn't show anything really of what he's going to be. But, you know, I give him credit for, you know, sticking to the plan 
and getting some of the jitters out. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully we get some more blowout wins or well, yeah, blowout wins. Uh, <laughs> not, not the other way. Not the other way uh, where where he can get some more minutes. It was cool to see because you're right. Like he did make an effort. Like he wasn't in there like, I'm going to get my uh, first points or I'm going to do my thing. Which is he, what I was he, expecting. I was totally expecting G League coming out to come out you know but it shows you you it shows you that he's been coached really like well so far already and And he's listening yeah yeah and and i find that exciting and yeah i mean like it's it's gonna take a while for him but i wouldn't put anything on (laughs) on this initial stint man like it's it's good to see him hit a shot shots not broken high dribble like i said but he knows how to play basketball and he's gonna learn more and you know what I like too was actually I think after we saw him in summer league we we're like yo he's big and yeah. then seeing him in an NBA game on an NBA court it's like yeah he's still big he's still like, big dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like that's that's <laughs> nice right so yeah and I mean dude Cade Cunningham played his first game earlier in the day and what he's like one for scored two points like one for yeah. seven or yeah. oh for seven from three like think, whatever yeah, it was, like it wasn't it wasn't very good but dust getting the dust off but yeah man hopefully we're not just chasing wins we're chasing blowouts this year <laughs> yeah. like that's that's uh i gotta i gotta it's coin that phrase before somebody else snags it but that's that's <laughs> the whole point right if you get blowouts the dudes the old dudes can rest and if they can rest, the young guys can play. And so it all goes towards the same place. Like yeah. everybody wins. Everybody yeah. eats. Fresh, fresh old guys and then experienced young guys. You meet maybe uh maybe it won't be 2023 or 2024. It'll be, you know, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Let's yeah. Hope. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. You can find Aram at Aram Collier. Check out OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Dubs.